Welcome to Legacy Fundraising Chat, where we talk about everything legacy-related to help you as a fundraiser generate more interest amongst your supporters in legacy giving. I'm your host, Sunita Godu, founder of Persuasion and legacy marketer, providing consultancy, training, coaching, and interim legacy support to small to medium-sized charities. I'm delighted that the National Free Wills Network is sponsoring my podcast. They allow you to offer your supporters a free solicitor written will anywhere in the UK, and the charity receives full measurable results. With 15 years of experience and over 500 million raised in future income for charities, the network can help charities of all shapes and sizes launch and maximise their legacy programmes. To find out more, visit nationalfreewills.net. Listener, welcome to episode 50. Have you listened to episode 49, which is part one of this interview? I suggest you do that first and then come back and listen to the finale. And whilst I have your attention, if you're not already on my email list, you can subscribe by heading over to my website, persuasion.org.uk, and by the contact page, you can subscribe, or you can drop me an email at sunita at persuasion.org.uk. That procurement process, because we've all worked in-house, we've all been under that pressure, go and get three quotes. Mm-hmm. What would you do or what do you do in that scenario where we always get a feel, don't we? We know if an organisation actually wants to work with us because they're asking us the right questions or whether they just need that final quote and you just happen to be it. <laughs> um, how do you approach that? I mean, we're probably quite pragmatic that, you know, sometimes you are being approached just because, you know, they're, they're going through the motions. They need to, you know, they, they've got to follow this procurement process. We've got to get three quotes. But I think you've got to try and sniff those ones out. We would always have a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody. I mean, ideally, you know, you want to you want to meet certainly like virtually online because what we want to do is we want to find if we're kind of doing a bit of that connection Mm. do we want to work with these people type thing yeah understand if it really is an opportunity or if or if they're kind of just going through the motions I don't, what I don't think is good is when you know you're just wasting someone's time yeah and again if if you are having to put a lot of work into responding to that and you've got no intention then again I think there's an ethics kind yeah. of question there yeah I mean like you say it is um it is quite a skill in actually uh working out is it a very genuine inquiry or like Ashley said, do they do they have um, you know someone in mind that they really want to work with, and you're just making up the number? But I guess um, I am an eternal optimist, uh, and like <laughs> Ashley says, it is great to uh, to to sort of talk to people, build that that little bit of uh, of rapport in that sort of early conversation. And with my very optimistic hat on, you know, you never know where there is an opportunity. I suppose right. uh, to actually um, work with someone new, explore a new uh, a new area. I think it's good to have the conversation anyway, perhaps even if you get a sense from that very early email contact that, yes, OK, they might be they might be making up the numbers. But, you know, it's uh, you never know until until you actually sort of sit down with someone and chat to someone. Um, you know, there are occasions actually when we say to people either you don't need us right now <laughs> or you don't mm-hmm. even need a, a legacy consultant right now, you know, actually. Uh, work on, for example, you know, work on your your IG program and build up your database and come back and talk to us uh, in a couple of years. Or, you know, this is the kind of budget you've got. Well, actually, we probably couldn't do something for that. But again, you know, there are people out there that that can help you. So I think, uh, yeah, really, really kind of understanding what the situation is and the, and the possibly the opportunity. 
we're always happy to have that that initial sort of pro bono conversation and try and steer people in the very best direction for them really claire is an eternal optimist that's good it's infectious yeah. um i think especially like if you go on it sometimes you can almost get a bit you know you definitely get a real buzz like it feels really good when you when you win some work as well so you <laughs> there can be a bit of that kind of going for every opportunity so sometimes you might and, and maybe I think like Claire says, sometimes there is an opportunity to, even if you kind of don't get it, you've you've given a, re- a really good account of yourself and you've yes. actually given the client something to think about and they probably yeah. remember you and go, okay, we'll come back to you. Maybe maybe this project you didn't get, but we'll come back to you or they'll, they might share that to a, to a contact in a network. But sometimes we, all, we also have to go, actually, is this something that we should be going for? You know, there's only so much like time in the week and... Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Don't just go like for every opportunity that comes to yeah. you. I do think there's something, though, that has uh, served me well throughout my uh, consultancy career of, okay. of yeah. just sort of paying yeah. into that big karma pot. Yes. You know, so I'm like, if I can give someone an hour of my time and I can help them, you know, I, maybe they at the moment won't be able to to work with me. But like Ashley says, you know, you never know five years down the line. So actually, I think you know, if we if we all sort of uh, pay our dues into the the big karma pot of fundraising, I think those things generally, you know, they come back. That is true. And actually, one of the first proposals I wrote when I was a, when I started as a consultant, I think in 2015, yeah, didn't go anywhere. Right. But then we re-engaged the conversation maybe about a year ago, said something else, and then it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but this week, they yeah. started. So you never know as well with some of these things. Wow. Especially when you're in it for a long time. It's got to be it a is, record, It's got to be, hasn't it? Eight years. Eight years. years. <laughs> And is that the same person that yes, you stayed with? Interesting. And they stayed at the organisation? They did, yeah. Well, that's a record in itself, isn't it? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> to be honest with you, Claire, when I started out as a consultant, I did think about what kind of person do I want to be in terms of how do I want to serve clients? And I always remember you saying, I'm always up for a pro bono chat. And I really loved that about you when I was in house. And I just Aww. thought, I'm just going to adopt that. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm a mini Claire in, in, the, in the speaking. I'm trying my best. Um, I'm also a big nerd. So I just love a legacy chat with anybody. <laughs> yeah. If someone will talk legacy with me, I'm just, I'm really happy about that. I got Claire that as giving away. Well back get... then, Claire. I yeah. think it was a lonely game, wasn't it, many years ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, just thinking about from a charity perspective as well, I think that the fundraiser is always under pressure, aren't they, in terms of they may not actually want to do the three quotes, knowing that mm-hmm. they know who they want to work with, or they've already been told by the organisation. I'm a, a big fan of challenging these processes that neither work for the charity the fundraiser or the consultant and there's no reason why this conversation can't be that catalyst for changing this and I'm just thinking what is it that we can do as consultants to support charities to have those internal conversations to actually start to think about do we actually need to do this just because we've always done it? Is it really the right thing to do? I suppose this is not necessarily tra- challenging the process as such, but I, I think perhaps, you know, if you want to make the case internally as to, no, I want to work with this specific person or specific organisation, it's perhaps thinking about, uh, you know, what do they bring that, that nobody else does? You know, what is the, what is the real uniqueness 
of working with this nice. as we said with this 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 sort of particular setup because then I suppose that gives you the more of that kind of ammunition to be able to to be able to make that case and and I guess it's a good sense check for you as a fundraiser as well to say well actually if I can't think of what it is that that makes this this personal organization you know unique special then actually maybe I should be widening my horizons and actually looking for some some more quotes so I think it's it's a really good sense check to to start there and maybe the fundraiser could be speaking to the person that they want to work with and getting them to tell them what what are the best points of working with that mm. person. So if it's yourselves, that you can say, actually, these are the things that we've done for other clients. This is the impact that we've made. This is the future projected income based on the work that we've done. And I think ultimately the only thing that matters are the numbers because we're in it. Oh, yes, of course, to have fun. But if we're not raising money for charities, then actually what is the point of us? So I think it's been able to demonstrate that our work does actually constitute into future income. Yeah, and that's a really challenging thing to do, though, especially mm-hmm. from a legacy like marketing support. Or if save the brief is to help us develop a strategy, well, mm-hmm. you can you can write you can help them develop a brilliant strategy, but if they don't implement it, it oh, doesn't yeah. raise any money <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> so I guess that that is that is difficult to do. But mm-hmm. we do try, and especially going back to the kind of legacy admin side where we can, it is a little bit more tangible. We do try and really quantify that. So it could be an additional like pounds of of legacy income that they might get because of the say the added value that you can bring. But it also might be in terms of uh, saving the money because like the time that it takes you to do it is a lot less than they were doing already. So if we're talking about what can what can charities do? Yeah. Um, particularly challenging process. I think maybe mm. one thing I'd say is like, please give us a brief, a clear brief. Right. Nice. Be clear on what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, maybe have some clear expectations of like, what's the outcome at the end of this that you kind of want to see? And I think a good consultant can help charities as p- part of, you know, with this as part through the initial conversations. But it, what can be quite challenging to respond to is if maybe if the charity doesn't really know what they need for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing, which is possibly a little bit, can be a little bit controversial as well, is a sense of budget. Right. You know, we'll often, we'll always ask that question, like, what budget do you have? And some charities are kind of open to share that. Some charities won't share that. And I think we're, you know, we understand that you might might not have that exactly pinned down or might not be able to exactly share it. But, you know, if you know if you're talking like a few hundred pounds versus a, a few thousand pounds, that is quite a difference. Mm. And again, it helps us to it helps the consultant to say immediately, actually, I'm maybe I'm not the right person for you. But it also can really shape the kind of approach that you can do. You know, are you looking for really in-depth research as part of this or do we need to kind of come together in a workshop and kind of pull our thinking together as best as we can? Yeah. So some kind of budget, some kind of brief is really helpful. I do know, I'd really agree with that, Ashley, in that um, I realised this was a mistake I made when I was in-house because I was always quite reluctant to share budget when I was in-house because I was like, I know really? if I share you a budget. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was of the opinion of if I say I've got 
£5,000, then, oh, miraculously, this will cost £5,000. <laughs> and if I say I've got £20,000, then miraculously, this will cost £20,000. So I was, I, was, I was a little bit reluctant, but I've realised, again, working on the consultancy side, that actually um, we can do a strategy project, for example, in lots of different ways. Yes. So if someone's got a, a small budget, then, um, and we've worked with smaller charities, we might just almost encourage them to do some of the the, the thinking behind the scenes themselves. We'll then maybe get together with them for a day or so to, to really help them kind of work through and develop their strategy. And then they can potentially take the, the results of that workshop offline and write it up. Whereas, again, if you've got a charity that's got, you know, much bigger budget, then um, they might be really keen for us to do, you know, more of that sort of behind the scenes work, more of that, that kind of writing up. So, you know, when we have an idea of budget, we can we can shape the project in a way that works for that organisation. So that's that's been a salutary lesson for for me. And, and actually, you know, I, I probably should have been much more open with with people about the budgets that we uh, we had when I was in-house. But that's not unusual, to be honest, Claire. I mean, we do have that with charities, don't we? And a lot of that is about not really understanding, as you've explained, that the reason why you're asking for the budget, it isn't to take all the budget, it's to work out with the budget, what can we do for you? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, if you went to, if you're going to buy a car and you yeah. know you've got a certain budget, then you find the right car. That's that true. Your yeah. budget, that's kind of our approach to it and totally isn't just so that, you know, you, the quote probably will match your budget because again, like, we're listening and we're saying okay this is what we can do for your budget because because why would you spend less than the budget because that's the whole point of the budget and we also know from being in house if you don't spend your budget you can't carry it forward to the next year you've lost it so you might very pragmatic (laughs) (laughs) i've learned also from being in house allocate your budget as soon as possible as soon as you get it because if throughout the year you haven't allocated it it can be taken away from you (laughs) We've had yeah, that. and a good a good consultant can can help you with that. You know, yes, we, we can we can date the invoice. Yes, according to <laughs> we can spend it for you, no problem at all. Something uh, something else controversial, Sunita. Yes, that I I'd like, like to. I guess that's good to challenge is make sure you pay your consultants. Oh yes. <laughs> <To> make... <laughs> I, is this really controversial, Ashley, or should it actually well, it be standard? Be. It shouldn't be. But and I know sometimes you know the per, your, the point of contact you're working with isn't the person that's no. in charge of that, and they've got a you know thing it goes into the finance black hole. But you know, especially if you're working with a freelancer, if, you know, if they're on their own, if that's their job, and they're you know their livelihood is completely dependent on that and they've got administration to do and they've got business development to do and and everything make sure you pay them because you know I know standard 30 days from invoice but when I was especially when I was on my own I had had situations where I had to wait like six months yeah for charity to pay an invoice and it wasn't because there was an issue with the work is thinking about payment terms so we would always ask for a payment up front to to engage yeah because it's a kind of sign of that commitment and then ideally if it's a longer project kind of payment terms on stages as the project completes yeah but I think if you're making your consultants wait and say until the end of a project before then you're going to pay them or before they can invoice and then you're not paying them that could be a real struggle yeah totally and I've I've learned from that experience as well from from being in-house and having suppliers say it's been three months and your finance team haven't paid me and it's so difficult isn't it because you're so happy with the work 
and you're trying to lazy with your finance department and you can't get an answer why that's not being paid. So I just think it can kill the relationship. Um, but I think this payment up front really tells you what the relationship is going to be like. So one is, I think if the charity is reluctant to do that, there's a lack of understanding around why you're asking for that payment. And if that first payment isn't on time, I think it kind of sets the tone for the presidents of how that relationship is going to continue. And um, Claire, do you have experiences of that when you were in? Claire just works pro bono, so it's not a problem for Claire. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard, especially if that consultant is a very new consultant, right? Um, yeah. And it's their their first couple of jobs. Then it, it's Great tough, isn't it? Because we've, we've all got mortgages to pay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest, I found it tended to sort of shake itself out once I was uh, a couple of years in. That, yeah. you know some people would be some people would be very prompt some people would be late and uh you know most months would would be okay so uh um, but I would absolutely agree it's just it's good practice it's common courtesy isn't it really to to pay people on on time and for the for the work they've put in yeah completely so just thinking about we were working with the listener as an example and have you been in a situation where you've delivered the project, you've been paid on time, it's all going very well, but what you've done isn't quite what the client had expected? What's quite rare is like having something that really doesn't work, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things break down. But sometimes as well with the client, they don't quite know what they want until they see something. And so mm-hmm. you can go through a process of, okay, and then it gives them something concrete to kind of, you know, respond to. And then you you go away and you take that feedback and you rework it and you get to a place that they're really happy with. I think that maybe that's part of just right. normal process. But sometimes I think if maybe things really go wrong, for me, it, it tends to come down to just having not having clear expectations at the outset. Mm. I think, again, that's why having a really clear brief, agreeing a kind of proposal which really clearly spells out, OK, this is what we're going to do. This is what the kind of timings might be and the deliverables that you're going to get. Right. Yeah. Help to avoid some of that stuff. I think very occasionally, sometimes there just can be a bit of a personality clash. Having that chemistry opportunity to like meet and suss each other out can be really, really important. But sometimes, and I think what we're quite fortunate now, because we have quite a big team Mm. on that kind of rare occasion, you can just bring somebody else in and that can kind of resolve things. I find that yeah. really unusual with yourselves that there would be a personality clash. Obviously, not with not with me. <laughs> oh, not with you, obviously. <laughs> you're with yourself. Though. We're obviously talking about other people, but uh, I do find that actually quite rare because I know that you're very diligent about who you work with as well in terms of who you um, have on your team. Um, but I suppose any situation, it, it, it's good to know that it could happen and what you mm. would um, put in place. I think having like a, a contract, having an agreement is really helpful mm. because a good a good agreement will will spell stuff like that out. Sure. So what what are we going to do if there is if something maybe does go wrong or if like you deliver something that we're not happy with, like that can you can spell some of that stuff out. And I think, again, it comes back to just expectations. And mm-hmm. what you want to try and do in these situations is take all the emotion out of it and right. sit yeah. down together and go, OK, this is where we are. This is maybe try and un- unpick why things have gone wrong, how you can resolve that. Mm. And and you want to work together, you know, don't you? You want to you want to get to the solution at the end that yes. um that, that everyone's happy with. You've got to maybe have some of those conversations quite quickly as well. If you start mm. to notice maybe that things are not quite going 
mm. in the right direction, sit down together and mm. uh, before it becomes a big problem. So one of the things for me is to get briefs signed up for any piece of work that I do, even though we might be absolutely clear on what we want in terms of outcome. For example, I'm doing an email comms journey on the back of some legacy Facebook ads, and I'm getting a brief for the ads, I'm getting a brief for the the email comms, even though I'm absolutely clear what needs to be done. I've been working with a client for a number of years. It's just also to make sure that I nail it the first time, because one, it's time on the client to go back and forth and make changes or make recommendations I'd rather have that brief it'd be absolutely clear the client sign it off I do the piece of work it's also time isn't it trying to rectify things when just asking those questions in the beginning might have alleviated the client having to spend more time as well on something absolutely you're very wise Sunita (laughs) (laughs) it's only through uh, experience and learning um but one of the things that I wanted to talk about which was kind of the premise of inviting you onto the show again was charity saying to me that they've had disappointing experiences with consultants Mm -hmm. and therefore are really apprehensive about working with anyone else my approach to that is very much If I have a friend that lets me down, does that mean I'll never have friendships ever (laughs) again? (laughs) And I think this applies to all relationships, doesn't it? I mean, there are people who are in very happy relationships now. And had they not had the heartbreak earlier, they probably (laughs) wouldn't be in those relationships now. So I actually apply that to the consultancy relationship, that one bad experience shouldn't really do you yeah. agree with that or do you think it's kind of different in a working relationship? I do. We have, I mean, I've certainly had personal experience of working with an organisation. You just you just know straight away that maybe they're just coming across a bit more kind of sceptical, mm. wary. And then they might mention, oh, we had a bad experience. And so that's why I think it's it's helpful for the charity in that situation to reflect and think about, well, what was our involvement in this? Why did mm-hmm. it go wrong? Maybe we weren't clear up front. Maybe we didn't set the right expectations. So yes, of course, the consultant has to take the blame and has to do that reflecting themselves too. But I think an organization should look at that. And then, you know, you, you need to go in these things with good faith, don't you? Um, mm-hmm. That you're going to work kind of well together. But I think that it, that can be a challenge, but to- I totally agree. You know, you, you can't, you shouldn't just take well because this happened with this person therefore uh, it's the same thing will happen again and it's almost you have to go all in don't you and just using that analogy with relationships again if you bring the past into the current (laughs) it's almost creating it's that karma I suppose Claire again that's coming (laughs) up again isn't it if you bring that bad karma into a new situation you can almost create the same thing by I guess actually you said not having reflected what was my part in it and should (laughs) I actually now look at this in a more positive way and see this as completely fresh or new I'm loving that this is also dating advice (laughs) and you know something Claire I'm the worst person to give dating advice actually (laughs) yes friends come to me for dating advice and I do say you you do realize I'm the worst person for this you need a contract up front that's why you need a contract up front (laughs) exactly I need payment up front that's why I need (laughs) 
<laughs> so just kind of, I suppose we've worked with amazing clients now. We've done some great pieces of work. And at some point we have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get quite attached to some of my clients. Yeah. Um, what's it like for you? Hopefully yeah. it's not saying goodbye like yeah. goodbye it's like right. saying we'll see you later so right. we've done okay. this bit. and um I think what we try and like to do is maybe put in a um a date in the diary in I don't know six months or something to touch nice. base again what's really great for us as a consultant is when you get to see the the impact of the work because often you mm-hmm. do it and maybe you go away and you don't see the, the difference so being able to reconnect just to say well how are things going yeah and maybe you can input a little bit more into into that and shape that um, but you know, hopefully, that you're going to get to work again. But what we also like to do, I think, is reflect on the project. And that doesn't have to be with the client, but it could be a great thing to do with the client in terms of like what went really well, what could have been better, because you can then feed that back into how you shape, mm-hmm. how we shape the kind of stuff that we do in the future. Yeah. And then ideally getting some kind of uh, testimonial from them. Yeah. Yeah. What we want to do is build a great case study that we can then share. hopefully that will lead to other things as well you want to sell you know sometimes you want to celebrate the work that you did together so Mm. it could be speaking at a conference for example and give them the kind of profile for the work that they did in in it Um, and that can be a great kind of personal development thing for for them as a as a fundraiser as well so there's definitely like really positive stuff you can do once a, a project's finished together yeah and John, I'm going to be much more materialistic and basically say I've had a couple of clients in the past that um, have sent me chocolate, have sent oh, me a card. <laughs> I love it. But, do you know what? Isn't it lovely? And you just it think is. I would walk over hot coals for those clients now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically I'm easily bought. But it's just uh, it is lovely uh, when someone who's client side really sort of yeah. says thank you and appreciates what you've done together. Absolutely. As as Ashley says, you know, we 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 love to work with people on a ongoing basis I think this follow-up is very important so one of the things that I do say to clients and when I've delivered training is that what is it that you're going to do with this information mm. and especially when you've taken a lot of time to work with the strategy the the charity's been amazing as well through that journey and then unfortunately there have been times where I followed up and the strategy is sat in the top drawer and it mm. just hasn't seen the light of day and it's super dusty I often use that analogy and say, please don't let us have a conversation in six months' time and tell me that nothing has happened (laughs) because that would be really painful for me because that I would feel as if I failed. Mm. There's something that I haven't done that's inspired you enough to actually want to take action on it because I think the strategy or whatever piece of work, it has to be exciting enough for for the charity to want to then deliver. Yeah, I know that is a, I mean, it's a, can be a real frustration. It kind of goes back to the previous point of when things, problems can arise. And I, sometimes it can be when there's just this change within the organization and that can, that can derail projects or it can stop things from being implemented. I don't know how you can get over that one because there's a lot of change that happens in the sector. Yeah. But I think yes. sometimes we have to just, you know, accept maybe that sometimes is going to happen. So just to finish off, what one piece of advice would you give my listener to help them to work with a consultant? What do you think they absolutely need? So write a brief. <laughs> right. Just sit down and, and it doesn't have to be long or complicated, but really yeah. think about why do I need help? What is the what is the kind of challenge that I really need help? And the end of it, what do I want to see? And I think that'll then help you think through the type of person 
that's right for you? Are you looking for, say, a freelancer versus a consultant versus an agency? Just just sit down and, and kind of work that through. And you might need to have some kind of conversations with some people before that to kind of help with that thinking. But put it down on paper. And that I think it all flows from there because mm-hmm. it sets the expectations. You can evaluate whether the project's been a success or not. I think it all comes from there. If you don't have that in to start with, I think it probably can go wrong. And right. I think a good a good consultant will challenge a brief as well right. and right. kind of say, maybe, maybe we could look at this a different way. But I think it is, yeah, definitely. Like you can work together in that initial phase to really like clarify exactly what the project is, what the piece of work is. I think that's really helpful because when you say brief, if people aren't used to writing a brief, it's what what does go into it. And we're very familiar with being in-house and working with lots of suppliers and know actually what are the key things within a brief. But it's good to know that actually people could talk to a consultant about that and not feel as if they should know what should go in a brief. Be like really clear in terms of what you want somebody to help you with. Yeah. And that that's what a brief is. So it doesn't matter whether it's a a verbal conversation, a, right. you know, some bullet points on an email, but think it through together. And then mm-hmm. that's a great starting point. And we're working with um, another consultant at the moment. Um, and I was very impressed actually with the way that they they teased out from us um, what we wanted. Mm. And I think uh, almost the, the sort of the magic question was, um, you know, what is the world going to look like yeah. at the end of this project? So I suppose it's key outcomes, isn't it? But, you know, what's changed by the end of this project? Yeah. What and I think if you can look like? Yeah. yeah. Cool. And if you can envision that, you can sort of, you can almost sort of work backwards through the the specifics of what you need. But having that, that end goal, I think, really, really clear. Mm. For me. But I think that's a great, that's a great question to ask. Yeah. Definitely. What does it look like at the end? Oh, it's been amazing to chat to you. I'm so glad that uh, we've been able to talk longer this time. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. Oh, always. Sure. And uh, yes, so good luck with everything. And I'm sure we'll speak very soon. Listener, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed my chat with Claire and Ashley. There were so many golden nuggets that they shared in the two-part interview. But here's a few that really stand out for me. Number one, whether working with an independent legacy consultant or an agency, get recommendations. Number two, when working with an independent or agency, don't ask them to do the work at selection stage. Instead, ask to speak to some of their clients. Number three, just because someone can put together a show-stopping proposal doesn't mean that they can do the job make sure they have the relevant experience. Number four, working with an independent legacy consultant, don't ask them to pitch. Put yourself in their shoes. You've got five charities that have approached you, but you're not the cheapest because you're probably the most experienced. You don't win any of them based on that. That's five weekends you'll never get back. As always, if you have a question, Drop me an email at sneeta at persuasion.org.uk. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to Legacy Fundraising Chat, brought to you by Persuasion, a consultancy training and coaching organisation, helping fundraisers just like you. Thank you also for everything that you do for your cause in the charity sector, making it an inspiring place to work. I'm your host, Sunita Gudu, championing your legacy fundraising efforts.